You're listening to Informed, informal chats about theological topics to help us know and understand God together. Informed. Informed. Hi everyone, welcome to Informed, uh, where today I'm talking to Daniel and Anna Goodman about Bible translations. Morning to you. Good morning. Good morning. Great to have you with us. Um, We're very blessed as speakers of English to have so many um, Bible translations available to us and it's helpful to have a way of thinking about what they all are and what the differences are between them. Um, I think it's quite helpful to think about them on a spectrum because there's no one perfect way to translate something from one language to another because languages just don't work like that. You can't just take every, every word in one language and turn it into an equivalent word in another language and end up making sense. Um, so in the world of, of Bible translation, there's, there's a variety of approaches to try and help us understand what the original author meant and what the original words that the Holy Spirit inspired meant. Um, at one end of the spectrum, there's the word for word approach, which, which does kind of, as far as it can, take every word in the original and find an English equivalent. And you won't be able to, to do that to the nth degree. There'll be a bit of kind of reordering of words, a bit of slight rephrasing of things just to make logical English. Um, but as far as possible, they'll just go word for word. And at the other end of the spectrum, there's the thought for thought way of translating, which doesn't worry too much about which words the original author used. What it does is try to understand what, what was the meaning of this sentence and how would we best convey that same meaning in, um, in English. Uh, so you can see there are some pros and cons to different ends of the spectrum. Um, where, where do you guys sit? Anna, what, where, what kind of Bible translation do you like using? Um, well, I'm, I'm trying to use a variety of translations. I think that you can get um, different things from different translations. At the moment, I'm reading Bible in the Year, and I'm doing that using the NIV, which I think, according to your like spectrum, that's kind of in the middle. Yeah. Um, I'm also using, um, I've used in the past, but at, at the moment as well, uh, the ESV, um, a bit more word for word. Um, and then I'm also using the NLT Study Bible, um, to go along with all of that. So a bit bit of three Bibles at the moment. What about you? Yeah, I, I, like, um, I like both more thought-for-thought thought ones, like the NLT, which I use quite a lot, and I like uh, word, more word-for-word word ones, like the NASB and the ESV, which I also use quite a lot. Um, and I'll often be reading something like the NASB and then we'll dip into something like the message or the NLT just to see how they've, sort of synthesized it, how they've distilled a key idea. And if there, there's often some really beautiful phrases they have that I might mark right in the margin of the NASB just to help me understand a paragraph. Well, in the full length podcast, we go into that into a little bit more detail. Um, but we, we spend quite a lot of time talking about the Passion Translation because that's different to um, most of the other translations that are available to us. Daniel, what are some of the main differences between the Passion and the others? Um, the Passion translation is, is so new that I don't think it's it's quite yet finished, although the, you can get the New Testament, you can get big old books like uh, Proverbs and Psalms as well at this point. It's translated mainly by one person, and that's unusual. Um, something like the message, which is a paraphrase and doesn't claim to be a Bible translation, 
the message, sure, it was translated by one person, but that person, Eugene Peterson, was a linguist, an academically qualified specialist. Um, it looks like Brian Simmons isn't. Uh, he doesn't have the normal qualifications academically that you would find for a Bible translator. Um, and working mainly on his own is quite different from something like the NIV, which would have had a huge team working over decades to translate it each, being a specialist in a particular book of the Bible and the specific language. You know, there are three main biblical languages, Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic, and they wouldn't ne necessarily be specialists in all three. They'd be a specialist in one of those languages, specialist in one of the books of the Bible. Their work would be reviewed, peer reviewed by other specialists. Um, and the stylist would work alongside them to, have to help it sound right. So um, it's significantly different from those other Bible translations in, in that regard. One person um, not academically qualified in the way that, uh, that you'd normally expect. Mm. And there's a bit of a concern, isn't there, that um, Ryan Simmons seems to be saying that he's bringing in ideas that have been lost in previous Bible translations? Yeah, he, he talks about God um, God commissioning him to do this translation. He talks about being taken up into heaven's library and being given books, um, encounter with Jesus. He talks about um, being given downloads by God, God touching his forehead. It's like a chip's been put in him. I'm paraphrasing, but these are ideas I think you'll find him claiming. So, um, and he, he, he really emphasizes this, which would be quite different from someone like Paul in Corinth, who, although he was caught up into the third heaven, it's very discreet about it. And Brian is actually emphasizing this and, and sort of, it seems to be like he's presenting it as a reason to believe this is a translation you really need. And he talks about God giving him secrets of, of Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic. Um, he talks about using the original Aramaic manuscripts. I mean, that's very problematic because as far as we know, there aren't any original Aramaic manuscripts. Um, there is one called the Peshitta from hundreds of years later, much younger than, than the original Greek uh, New Testament that we've got. And it's written in a different dialect of Aramaic. So it's not even the same dialect that Jesus would have spoken. So he's translating into English a translation from... Aramaic, which was a translation of the Greek, which was, so it, it gets a little bit, a little bit far from the beaten path in that regard, and um, it's concerning. He, he also claims that God gave him secrets of homonyms, which is that one word would have multiple meanings. I mean, these ideas are not uncommon to linguists. We, 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 we understand that words have um, multiple meanings. The English word hand could mean a physical part of your body, or it could mean to, to help somebody give me a hand, or it could mean to give them a round of applause, let's give them a hand. Um, so it's not that that idea is lost or foreign, but to say that um, the writer intends all the meanings at once, it, it, we know that that's just simply not how language works, is it? Um, and when that does happen, it's a joke or it's a double entendre or it's it's noticeable and it's clever and everybody sees what's happening and they have a little chuckle and they move on. Um, whereas Brian is sort of makes it a major part of how he translates his Bible. There's a range of five meanings that I can pick from to translate this word or, you know, ha at least put in the footnotes so that you're in you're sort of led a little bit in in how you understand that. Um, so it's problematic, the claim to the Aramaic. It's problematic, the claim to having these homonyms as a big revelation. 
Um, and the other, the other sort of academic claim is about etymology, etymology which is sort of where, where words come from. That also opens a Pandora's box, which allows you to go all sorts of places and which isn't how language works either. If you take the word English word butterfly um, and say, well, that, that, that comes from the two words butter and fly and butter is creamy and dairy. I mean, that's not, that's not in view when you talk about a butterfly. Um, so I think those things can be misleading. They might sound plausible to those who don't know that much about the subject, but they're not actually, they don't really bear any weight. And it's not that they're lost, it's that they're discredited. Mm. So we love encounters with God and we love revelations from God and so on. But the Bible is, is what we use to test those things and to weigh those things. And yeah. to be putting those things into the Bible is to... to mix things up in a really unhelpful way yeah and when 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 the bible says that we prophesy in part and that when people prophesy we're to weigh it that the bereans went back to the word of god to check what paul was saying so if we're not doing any disservice to brian simmons when we weigh his claims um that i'm sure he would encourage that he is claiming this is a bible translation and therefore we need to weigh that rigorously well, we talk about this uh, at much greater length in the full length podcast. So if you'd like to think it through a bit more, do listen to that. But for now, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me. And from me. Bye.